0: My name's Andy. I'm one of the pastors here at Kings, and it's always an honor and a privilege for me whenever I get to share with you, and it's something that I want you to know. Like, I love you guys. I really do, and I love this church. I love it so much, and it's never something that I take lightly. I'm always incredibly humbled when I get to stand here and speak to you because like like Pastor Brent was saying when he was kicking off our service today, like, we we are a church that is experiencing some amazing moves of God, amen? And we're seeing God do things like healings and financial breakthrough, and like, all time and time again, like, God is just revealing more and more of himself to us and so i just want to thank you as as our church and as my church for being the kind of people who isn't satisfied with the status quo and being the kind of people who wants to go after more and more revelation of the spirit of god and see more and more of him revealed in our city amen that's the kind of church we are that's the kind of church we should want to be and i'm glad to be a part of it um anybody getting old anybody out there getting old say you're getting old i'm getting old i'm reminded of that because time change weekend sucks more and more every year for me right like I'm getting old, it Just is. some of you guys are like, yep, you are. Some of you guys are like, I hate this kid. Like, He doesn't even know what he's talking about yet. But I'm feeling a little bit older. And part of the, one of the things that reminds me that I'm getting older, I'm getting older quickly, is that I'm having a harder and harder time keeping up with all the new slang and the new lingo. Anybody out there? Like, there's so many buzzwords, right? And we've all had, every generation has had them, but it seems like there's more and more and more, and I'm just having a hard time keeping up with them, all right? And I've been in youth ministry for 10 years now, so I probably have an advantage over most of you, but even for me, I have a hard time keeping up with all these new things that the kids are coming up with, because that's what old people say, right? See, I told you, I'm getting old. The kids are coming up with, like, all the the hashtags and the the tweets and the subtweets and the chirps and the snap. And the burns and the saltiness and the stories and the subs and the follows and the dank memes and the gifs and the cloud, the streaks. There's emojis and bitmojis and memojis. It's a lot to keep up with, isn't it? Two kinds of people in the room right now those of you who understand what I just said, and those of you who think that this crazy pastor's already preaching in tongues like two minutes into his sermon on Time Change Weekend. Too much. Richard, what kind of a church did you bring me to? What is this place? Listen, our culture's endless creativity is constantly coming up with new categories and new ways to express ourselves, and it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing, but there's, there's a new phrase, maybe you've seen it on a meme, like something that's at least new to me. Again, like the kids may say this is old news, but for me, this is new, and maybe it is for you too. There's a new phrase going around, and it goes like this. It's left on red. Have you heard of that one? Left on read, R-E-A-D, and this really simple meaning, really simple definition, and essentially it's this. If someone is left on read, it means that you've reached out to someone, you've sent them a message that they can read, all right? Usually it's a text, and you sent them a text, and that person has received said text, and they have read the text, but they haven't bothered to reply to you. So they leave you on red. is that is that making sense and maybe you don't text a lot but maybe you've uh you've sent someone a snail mail letter i don't know maybe that's still your jam you're still rocking it like it's 1972 that's cool like you've written a letter to someone you've probably had them not reply to you maybe you've given them a phone call right and you leave them a voicemail you leave them a message and no call back maybe you send them an email and they haven't bothered to reply like being left on red isn't a good feeling and we've all been there haven't we it's just like that, that, that phrase, left on red, that's the current generation's, generation's descriptor, I think, for that sensation of being left on red. It's a, it's a communication meltdown, is what it is. Normally, I think <clears throat> left on red is used a lot in the dating scene today, so like my single people that are in church, you know what this is like, where you send someone a message and they don't get back to you, like you're, you're sitting in church, you know, and you see, that, you see that cute girl across the aisle and you guys are like making eyes at each other the whole time, because that's how you do it, that's how you make eyes, by the way, it's just like that, that's, that's how it goes. And like you're not paying attention to Pastor Brent's sermon, you're making eyes the whole time, then you go home and you send that cute girl a message on Facebook and you can see that she read it, but she doesn't reply to you, right? No reply at all. It's a horrible feeling. Phil Collins wrote a whole song about it, for goodness sake. It's like whenever the communication in our lives melts down that way, never a good feeling. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you guys are having a hard time relating to this. Maybe you've seen the old movie, Cool Hand Luke. You've seen that one? There you go. Classic. That famous line from that movie. What we have here is a failure to communicate, right? That's what that's what Left on Red is is really all about a failure to communicate and it happens like whenever Whenever there's someone is left on red, whenever there's a breakdown in communication, like, it pumps the brakes on any relationship pretty quickly, all right? It's like, it's like in your marriage. Take it from my married people, okay? We're starting a marriage series next week, so this is a good, good illustration for us. When you, when you have a perceived urgent need in your life, and you are texting your spouse about it, and they can't be bothered to text you back. Anybody ever been there? Like, listen, this is a red alert. There's some serious business going down, and I need some help. I need some backup. And you're sending all these messages, and just nothing, nothing, nothing. Anybody ever been there before? i this is never happened to me, by the way. I love you, baby. This is this is your problem, not mine. All right, never happened. Like when you're the, when you're in the drive-through line, you know, and it's like, hey, tell me what you want. I'm in the I'm at the drive-through. I'll be home soon. Like just send me your order. Three cars back, and then nothing. And then it's like, all right, two cars back. We're getting a little closer. Like tell me what you want. Nothing. One car back. It's a red alert. Speak now or forever hold your peace. schnookums. like I need something. Don't text schnookums. I don't even know how to spell that. Actually, that's probably not a good choice. But like I need something from you, and you get up there. No, there's nothing. I guess I'll just have a an ice caramel cloud macchiato, uh, half-sweet, two-thirds decaf, no whip, put an extra pump in there, that'd be great. And then I finally get up there and I pay for the thing and then I'm driving away and two seconds later I get a text, I'll have a tea. All right, perfect. Awesome. (laughs) Made the right choice. It's it's a communication breakdown. It's not a good feeling and that's what Left on Red is all about. And although you probably, uh, you definitely can't open your phone or your Facebook messenger and pull up a history of a correspondence between you and God, And all these messages that you've sent back and forth, like, here's the thing. God has reached out to us, hasn't he? And actually, in this relationship, God made the first move. But I'm willing to bet that all of us, no matter where you land, no matter if you come to church all the time, I don't care if you don't even really buy into this whole thing yet, that all of us here, I think I'm willing to bet have reached out to him at least one or two times in our life in a moment of desperate need, haven't we? like, God, if you're out there and if you're real, like this is the time to show up. Like if you can do something, I could use a little bit of help. Like we've all reached out to God at one point or another. And here's the thing, just like with any other relationship in our lives, communication with God takes a little work, doesn't it? communication with God can get a little complicated sometimes we're we're fooling ourselves we don't take a minute to acknowledge that communication with God which is the most important relationship with our life is very unique and different to the other relationships in our lives because I can't come up and lay my hands on God's shoulders and look him in the eye and speak to him the way that I can with you it's it's different it's about a heart and a mind and a spirit thing and a kind of communication and it takes a little bit of practice and it takes a little bit of getting used to so there's times in our lives where we feel like man maybe God God speaking but we're not really sure we want to do what he's asking us to do right we're not really sure we want to hear what he has to say sometimes we're not even sure we have any idea what he's saying at all sometimes it feels like we don't know how to respond or we're scared to respond or we're afraid to respond because of what he might ask us to do so so we leave God on red right and sometimes Sometimes it feels like we just like, I think a lot of us would say, God, if, if it was just completely obvious to me, like what you want me to do with my life, if it was completely obvious with me what you want me to do to me, what you want me to do in this situation, like what path you want me to choose for my life. Like, whatever my calling, like, if it, was, if it was obvious and you just made it obvious to me, I would do it. One of the most consistent conversations I've had over the years with people and, like, with so many high school seniors and with young adults and even middle-aged people who find themselves, like, where life took an unexpected turn and there's a bump in the road, like, like trying to figure out what our calling is, right? Like, you guys heard that word, our calling? That's like a church word we made up for what we think God wants us to do with our lives, and so many times we're like, man, if I, just, if I just knew what it was that God wanted me to do, I would do it. But sometimes, if we're being honest, it feels like God leaves us unread, doesn't it? Like we reach out and it's like, okay, God, I could use a little bit of help here. I've got, got this fork in the road kind of situation going on in my life. I've got to make some choices. I've got to make some decisions. And I'd love it if you had a little bit of input on this. And sometimes if we're, again, let's just be 100% real in church on time change weekend at the early service, right? Sometimes it feels like God leaves us on red that we reach out, we ask for help, we ask for guidance, we ask for assistance, and we don't get it, at least in the way that we want it, at least in the way that we're expecting it. Sometimes trying to discern what God wants from us, what his call on our life is, what the path that he's laid out for us is, is like a puzzle, isn't it? And we talk in church a lot about the fact that God has spoken promise over your life, the fact that God has a plan for your life, a unique plan just to you for your life. But I think a very fair question that we sometimes have in response to that kind of an kind of attitude and approach is, all right, God, that's great, but what the heck is it? Like, what is your plan for my life? What is it that you want me, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you are calling me to as an individual? And how do we actually know that it's the voice of God when he does speak, when he does direct us, when he does speak into us? And I think that for most of us, we'd be like, God, if you would just give us like a massive blinking neon road sign that told us exactly what we were supposed to do and where we, would, where we should go, like that would make it way easier, wouldn't it, for most of us? Wouldn't it? Come on, somebody wake up on Time Change Weekend. Wouldn't it make it easier if there was a giant blinking sign in the sky like, Richard, be a dentist. All right, cool, I can do that. Like, all right, God, if that's what you want, and it just made it that clear and that obvious to me. I'll do it. Like, we've all felt that weight and that tension in our lives, haven't we? And so I want us to dive into Mark chapter 3 today. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to pick it up in verse 13, continuing in our Mark series. And I think that the passage we dive in today and we look at this, like, hopefully we're going to find and be able to discern some answers and some direction on how we hear the voice of God and how we discern his calling in our life. Does that sound good? You guys ready to roll? Ready to do it? All right, awesome, let's go. Mark chapter three, verse 13, we're gonna pick it up there. Very familiar passage of scripture where Jesus is calling his disciples, right? So let's, let's dive in there, verse 13. Afterward, all right, stop right there. One word in, afterward. This is like after Jesus has just finished a very intense marathon marathon. Of ministry, he's not really finished. It's almost like he's taking a little bit of a breather. Like we heard last week, where Jesus was healing a man with a with a deformed hand, and Jesus had been attracted, been attracting such massive crowds of people, like people that had just been like throngs, like surrounding him and like almost like pressing up against him, like he couldn't get any time, any space to himself. Like actually, if you read around through this chapter, Jesus' family almost tried to stage an intervention with him because they're like, you're like, you're not even eating. You're so busy. And like there's so many people. Who are like you're not even taking time to stop and eat like Jesus you're going crazy and so Jesus in this passage like after this like massive marathon of ministry and he's healing people and he's casting out demons and he's he's uh, he's straightening out deformed hands like doing all this amazing stuff and and really beginning to build some movement and some momentum and what he's trying to accomplish in the world in verse 13 it says afterward Jesus went up on a mountain and he carved some space and some time out for himself, and then he, he called out the ones that he wanted to go with him, and they came to him, and in verse 14 it says, he appointed 12 of them, and he called them as apostles, and they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons, giving them his authority, and these are the 12 that he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, we've heard of him, James and Johns, the son of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. That's one of the funniest verses in the whole Bible. I love that. The sons of thunder. It's like everywhere they went, I feel like they had aviators and like a soundtrack that just accompanied them, like walking down through the streets behind Jesus, you know, like the sons of thunder. I don't know what they did to earn that nickname, but that's pretty dope. And then uh, verse 18, Andrew, the coolest disciple, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, poor Thaddeus, he gets the short end of the stick in the names department. And Jesus didn't even give him a new nickname. He could have given him a cool nickname like Zeus or something, but he just Thaddeus, and then uh, Simon the Zealot was in there, and Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him. Now Jesus had been doing this amazing ministry and building this amazing movement, but now he's taking the time to call these twelve men to himself and saying, "Hey, come and follow me." And he's beginning to expand the movement, and he's going to use this to to make things go further than it could with just one person. Right? Jesus was incredibly intelligent. He was the best leader that's ever existed, that we have all sorts of leadership books and examples that we can look to. But really, when it comes to the man of Jesus, like he understood this so well, like he'd been doing amazing things. But now he was bringing more people along with him, more people in the cause that he could train and that he could groom, that he could begin to give away his authority to and that he could begin to train them to go and be the church and be the hands and the feet. He was getting the thing started. He was showing them how it worked. He was showing them the ropes, and he fully planned to leave them in charge, and he did, like these disciples, these 12 men. Would become the founders and the forefathers of the church as we know it today the only reason that we're sitting here 2019 later 2019 years later approximately is because of what they did once jesus left them in charge because of what they did once he ascended back to heaven and said now i want you guys to go into all ends of the earth and preach the gospel they even came to canada amen in the name of jesus that's why we're here all right and these disciples were the guys who started it all you know what they would have wrestled with their calling and their destiny in life the exact same way that you and I did because guess what there was these guys were not typical leadership material in their day they weren't they weren't scholars they weren't wise men like none of these guys before Jesus showed up in their life and called them none of these guys were people that people would have looked to for for guidance or for counsel like they were just extraordinarily ordinary guys all right just ordinary people like you and I me mean, they were blue-collar fishermen one of them was crazy, one of them was a, was a zealot. They said zealot was a, the, they were like a, a sect of Judaism that liked their violence just a little bit too much. Like, he was crazy. Like, Matthew was a tax collector. He was like the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood. You know, everybody hates those guys, right? Some of us still hate the tax man, if we're being honest, don't we? Like, tax collectors, like not someone you would have normally chosen to be the founders of the church of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They knew it too. It wasn't just like everybody else around going, really? That's who Jesus is going to pick? He's not going to go with the Pharisees. He's not going to go with the leaders and the teachers that are already in the church, the people that already are supposed to have respect and we're already supposed to look to for guidance and counsel. No, Jesus is going to pick all of these random people. And they would have been just as surprised as anybody else when Jesus showed up in their life and said, come and follow me. But you know what? They said yes, and they dropped everything to give their lives to Jesus. Now, these guys when it came to knowing what it was that Jesus wanted from them and what he was calling them to, they did, let's be fair, they had an advantage over you and I in the fact that they were walking and talking with Jesus, that Jesus could literally set his hand on their shoulders and look them in the eyeballs and say, come and follow me, and then they could physically respond to that. And today for us, it's more about surrendering our, our hearts and our minds and, and our agendas, right? The call of Jesus has not changed for the church. If you are the church, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then the call for you, the call for me, the call for us today is the exact same as it was for the disciples back then. But it is fair to say, hey, it looks a little bit different for us than it did for them. Not one of the disciples would have been labeled as, as a successful person, as a, as a moral person. They were broken and they were immoral. A lot of them, they came from varied backgrounds. They came from varied experiences. They were just regular old people. You know what? That sounds a lot like the church today. Sounds a lot like you and me, right? Like we are just a group of ordinary people. There's nothing that you might say, there's something really special about you, and hey, I hope that's true, but most of us are just ordinary folks, aren't we? Just regular folks that Jesus wants to use. Listen, so much has changed in a couple thousand years, but the big things are still the big things, church. God is still calling anybody who's willing to lay down their lives to follow him. Those are the kind of people that he's looking for. Jesus was far too smart and far too intelligent to have just randomly chosen these group of guys. He chose them on purpose because he wanted the world to know and understand something. He wanted us to understand something a couple thousand years later that the gospel is for everybody. Amen? And that he can and he will use anybody who's willing to give him a yes. And he will use anybody who's willing to say, God, I will trust you, and I will lay down my life for you, and I will follow you. Set aside my own agendas, whatever it takes, Jesus, to get to you, right? And that call to follow him, that could lead us to many different places. That will lead us to many different places, but he's just looking for our yes. And I think one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves when it comes to, when it comes to what is it that God wants me to do with my life, like what is it that God is is calling me to do? What is it that God is looking for from me? is that when God does speak in my life, when God does call me, am I willing to do whatever he asks me to do? When God, if and when God speaks in your life, are you willing to do whatever he asks you to do? Because here's the thing, when it comes to God's calling in our life and God's, God's speaking to us and God directing us, and telling us maybe what our path is going to be and where we're supposed to go, we don't get the luxury of getting all the details. We don't get all the luxury of having it laid out for us in a 75-point sermon with every little detail, like, filled in the blanks. No, he just says, come and follow me, and we're going to do something amazing together. You ready? Let's do this. And you, know, you and I, the way we want to roll, okay, at least for me, is like, all right, Jesus, yeah, that's great. Come and follow me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'll pray about that. I've just got a little 17-page questionnaire here. I'm just going to slide that over to you. And uh, if you take the time to fill that out, like, don't worry. like, Don't rush through it. Take as much time as you need. Go in great detail. Don't leave any of the boxes blank, please. A couple essay questions at the bottom would be fantastic. When you're done with that, you, know, you just, you just uh, scan that into a PDF and email that off to me whenever you get a chance. No rush. And uh, once I get that, I have a chance to look it over, and I'll get back to you within seven to 10 business days, right? Like that's, that's how we want it to work. That's how in our idea, in our mind, and we say like we want to know what God wants from us, that's what we want and what we need. But when it comes to Jesus calling in our life, like we don't get that luxury. That's not how he rolls. He says, come and follow me. Here's what Jesus wants, right? Jesus is looking for people that have determined to say yes before they get the details. When he called the disciples, he said, come and follow me. He didn't say, come and follow me, and then I'm going to basically give you all of my authority, and I'm going to let you do all the things that I know how to do, and you are going to heal people in my name, and you are going to cast out demons in my name, and 2,000 years later, people are still going to be reading about you and talking about you and what you did, and you're going to establish a church and a movement that will last for all eternity. You're going to establish something that will be the absolute hope of the world. He didn't fill all those details in for them. Oh, and by the way, you're going to live a very short life, and eventually you're going to die for this. Like, they didn't have the luxury of all those details filled in. He just said, come and follow me, and then something amazing will happen. And these men chose to say yes without even knowing all the details. Are you willing to say yes when God speaks in your life, no matter what it takes? Even before you know what you're saying yes to. And I understand that that is so counterintuitive to how we want to roll and how we want it to look. But if you're looking for the calling and you're trying to discern the calling of God in your life, we have to answer the question of whether or not we're going to say yes or no before we get the question, all right? Another really important question we've got to ask is when we're trying to figure out what God wants us to do with our life is what has he already equipped you with? I've heard it said this way, like what's in your hand? What's something that you've already got? at your disposal, a tool that's already on your belt that you can pull out and go to work right now and start using to serve him and make an impact and make a difference in the kingdom? Like, what's in your hand? What's something that God has already given you and already trusted you with? Because sometimes I feel like we're so busy running around trying to figure out, okay, what is it, God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to do? Is is it over here? Is it over there? Like, should I be this? Should I be that? Should I do this? And God says, just, just just pay attention to what I already gave you. Just pay attention to what's already in your hand. Like, what are some things that you're good at? What are some giftings that you have? What are some things that you are naturally interested in? And some of us would realize pretty quickly if we just take the time to, to calm down a little bit and stop looking around so much and trying to figure everything out and trying to fill in all the blanks before God's ready to answer those questions for us and just say, okay, I've got this. and Maybe I could use this to start getting busy right now, making an impact, and making a difference. It, remi- it, just, it reminds me of, you know, you ever put a pencil behind your ear? I don't know if anybody still does that or not, but I feel like we all know what I'm talking about, right? Like the pencil behind your ear, and then when you need it, you can't find it, you know? Like I'm using it, and I put it behind my ear, and then I'm running around the house, and I'm like blaming my wife, and like, what'd you do with a stupid pencil? Like, where's the pencil, you know? And you're running all around trying to find it, and it's been behind your ear the whole time, right? You ever been there? We do it with our smartphones now. Right? Like our smartphones are almost extensions of our bodies. Don't tell me you haven't gone around looking for your phone before and then realize, oh, geez, it was in my hand the whole time. Anybody done that? Or in your pocket? It's like with the car keys. Like you're sitting in the car and you're trying to find the keys and you're rifling through your purse and you're looking around and running back in the house and trying to figure out where your car keys are. They're in the ignition. The car is running and it's ready to roll. You just weren't aware enough to realize it. You were too distracted by everything else that was going on around you. I'm not talking about your car, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. Like, that's, that's our lies. As sometimes Jesus says, no, it is ready to roll. The keys are in the ignition. You are good. You've got everything that I want you to have at this point in your life. You just need to realize it. You need to stop stressing out about all the other details and just say, okay, God, if you place this in front of me right now for this season, I'm gonna get busy I'm gonna be found faithful. What's in your hand that you can use to start fulfilling God's calling in your life right now? What if we just got busy? Listen, for me... I never had a, a lightning bolt moment where like, there was a lightning bolt from the sky and God appeared to me and spoke to me in a dream and told me exactly what I want, what he wanted me to do with my life. Like, God does speak to people that way, and I hate those people, okay? Because it just never happened for me, but he does it all the time. But listen, for most of us, that's not how it's going to work. And I never had a moment like that where God showed up in my life and said, I want you to be a pastor, and I want you to stand on a stage with a microphone, and I want you to preach to people, and I want you to give your life to leading people to me and in my presence. Like, he never said that to me, because if he would have, I probably would have said no. I definitely would have said no. If he told me too early on, because I grew up, my dad was a pastor my entire life. And whenever anybody was like, oh, Andy, hey, you know, like maybe you'll be a pastor someday following your old man's footsteps, you know how people do. And I was like, nope, ain't going to happen. I have no desire to do that whatsoever. Like that is not on my radar. Church people are crazy. Like I I don't even like them. Not you guys, other church people. Okay, you guys, you guys are great. Everybody watching online. But no, I don't, I don't want, I just, no, it's not going to happen. Get behind me, Satan. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a pastor. But at some point in my life, what I, what I did do was determine to say yes to God, to put a yes on the table, to say, okay, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll say yes to it. And it wasn't like in that moment God said, boom, okay, you're a pastor. Now I get you, you're a pastor. Like it was just like, okay, piece by piece in my life, like over a course of years, he began to mold me and shape me and reveal things to me, and the, and the pieces started to fall into place like a puzzle. And none of the details were filled in at the beginning, but the pieces just started to fall into place for me in my life. And they're still falling into place all the time. Like, it's not a one-and-done thing. And it was, like, over a course of years that I just began to naturally lean into things that I was interested in, naturally, I just started to use things that I'd already been equipped with, like giftings that I already had. And then in one day, it's like I woke up, and I looked around, and I was like, dang it! when did you trick me into becoming a pastor? Like we talked about this like 15 years ago and I was like, how did we get here, right? It's like, it just began to be revealed over time and over time. It wasn't a moment, a big lightning bolt moment of, hey, this is who you're gonna be and this is your manifest destiny. It was no, say yes, give me your yes and see what God wants to do in your life. Here's a really big truth when it comes to discerning God's call in your life, church. Your calling is not nearly as specific as you may think. Another way you could say it is it's not nearly as limited as you might think. Like, sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves, right, into saying it needs to look like this, or I need this kind of information, or I need this kind of detail, I need this kind of exact, like, direction from you, God. And, you know, it's not nearly as specific as we sometimes think. And then we have to ask ourselves a really important question, like, are we willing to set aside our own personal agendas for what it is that God's calling us to? You know what, I, in my life, I've... Uh, I've met plenty of people and uh, talked to plenty of people who felt like God was calling them to, uh, to ministry, so that must have meant they were going to stand on stage and, and preach with a microphone or, uh, or sing and lead worship, and everybody in their life except for them knew that that was a horrible idea, okay? Okay because they weren't equipped for it. It wasn't something God had placed in their hand. Like, they, they felt like their calling had to equate standing on a platform. And here's, here's the thing. Our church doesn't need more pastors. It needs more lovers of Jesus who are willing to say yes before we have all the details. Amen? Like, it's not about that. For 99% of us, it's not about that. Ministry doesn't always come with a platform that looks like this. It comes with a platform, but it doesn't look like this, all right? For some of you, if you are just filling your, fulfilling your calling in your life, which you know what it is? It's to glorify God in all that you do. That is the calling. The details around that will change and will shift like sand your entire life. But your calling, our calling as a church, is to glorify God with our lives in everything that we do. For some of you, that's gonna mean raising a child. For some of us, the most significant thing that we ever accomplish in our life won't be something that we actually do. It'll be somebody that we raise. Like, do not sleep on your calling as a parent because it is holy ground. Like, just lean into them and love them and point them to God and teach them to know God and see what he does in their life. Like, I pray all the time. Pray that my boys, my two boys, would know a level of fruitfulness in ministry and would understand God's plan for their life and see him do amazing things in their life, things that their dad could only ever dream of. Do not sleep on your calling as a parent, all right? For others of you, it's going to mean that... For others of you, it's going to mean that you're... uh, You're going to manage numbers or crunch accounts. It's going to mean that you do graphic design, maybe some marketing. It's going to mean that you fight fires, sell homes. You're going to launch that crazy business idea that's been rattling around the back of your mind. You're going to work in the healthcare system. like It's so different and it's so unique for all of us, but we're all called to the same thing. No matter where God places us and no matter what pieces begin to fall into place, that we give him our yes and we say, God, I'm going to trust you with it. The Apostle Paul knew something and understood something that he he knew what it was like to receive a calling from God when you're least expecting it. And a calling from God that maybe didn't look anything like what he planned or what his agenda was for his life. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, look at what he says. He says, to a church, to us, the church, work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you inheritance as your reward and that your master that you're serving is Christ. Some of us get it twisted so much because we, we separate what we do and what we do in the day-to-day and what our job is. We separate that from our calling. And Paul is saying, whatever you do, you work it as, it, as it, if it's for the Lord. Like that is your calling. If that's where I've placed you right now, if that's what you're doing, you better believe that God's not going to waste that moment. He's not going to waste that opportunity. We discover our calling, church, when we're found faithful. When we give God our yes, when we serve, when we say, okay, God, what's in my hand? If you give me the ability to do this, then I'm going to figure out a way to take it and use it to make an impact. I'm going to use it to make a way to shine light and shine love into my community. I'm going to use it to find a way to be your hands and your feet wherever I'm at. We were talking about uh, the message this weekend at a staff meeting this week. We sort of jokingly brought up the movie Shawshank Redemption. Have any of you guys seen that movie before? Classics, really good. If you haven't, go educate yourself. It's, it's fantastic. But there's a moment where Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins' characters, they're, they're lamenting life on the inside. Okay, if you haven't seen it, Shawshank is a prison and these guys are in prison. And they're, they're lamenting what life could have been if they didn't get thrown in prison. And then they're sort of dreaming about what it could be if they ever got out and they ever made it to the outside and, and what they would do and how you live your life in response to all of that. And then Tim Robbins' character, Andy Dufresne, fantastic name, by the way, he drops like, he drops like the best line in the whole movie right there. He says, well, I, I guess it comes down to a simple decision, really. Some of you guys know it. You either get busy living or you get busy dying. And for some of us, church, we just need to roll up our sleeves and get busy living. We need to quit worrying about what's next and start worrying about what's now. We have such a tendency as people to crane our necks and try to look ahead to what's next and try to figure out what's around the next corner, try to figure out what the future holds. We have such a tendency to be discontent with the season that we find ourselves in. And no matter where we're at, we have a tendency to look forward and go, I just, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait till I get that promotion. I can't wait till my kids are that age. Like I can't wait until I'm out of this season. I can't wait till this this storm passes or whatever it is. And we have just such a tendency to be discontent with where we're at. Sometimes we're so focused on what's next that we miss what God wants to do in our lives right now. So focused on finding out, God, I can't wait till I find my calling so I can actually lean into what it was you wanted me to do with my life. And God says, no, you're, you're already there. Like, is it, is it such a stretch to believe that the God of the universe who created you and made you and spoke promise over your life and laid a plan out for your life that, that he's working the process and the plan right now? at this exact moment in this exact season of your life. I don't care where you're at, but here's, here's the thing. If we're fulfilling our primary calling, which we already said is, is, to, is to glorify God in everything that we do, to bring glory to the name of Jesus, that is our calling as the church. That is our capital C calling for all of us. If we are fulfilling that calling in our life, if we're giving Jesus our yes, if we're assessing what we've got in our hand and figuring out how we can use it and making a difference and working at whatever we do as for the Lord, listen, you're already 99.9% of the way there. Some of us feel like, like, I just haven't found my calling yet. It's like, no, you know what? God just wants you to pay attention to where he's already placed you and what he's already brought you to, what he's already blessed you with, and he wants us to get busy. My wife, uh, my wife Carrie, you know the one who never texts me back—that one. Um, she's awesome. I love her. She's amazing too, by the way. She's an incredible leader in our church. Uh, she's she's changing the world. She designs environments to capture the hearts and the imaginations of of, of our children. Like it's an amazing thing. Um, she and I, she and I, decided really early on in our relationship, really at the beginning of our marriage, that we were we were going to approach our lives and our calling and our our ministry and our journey together, we were, we were going to just approach it as, as a series of green lights. That if we got an opportunity and an opportunity was placed in front of us and it was something that we were interested in and something that we wanted to do and that we liked the sound of, that we'd pray about it. And if God didn't give us a red light, then we would go for it. And there were so many times in our life we enjoyed, we enjoyed so many green lights and amazing green lights. We had our share of red lights too. Like things that we thought in our lives, like between the two of us and in our humanity, that we thought that God wanted for us and we thought was something that He had for us, that for whatever reason, He closed the door, for whatever reason, He put up a roadblock, and those are things we got a red light on. And in those moments, we were okay with that because we could trust the God who'd always given us so many green lights. And it was almost like a, all right, God, hey, there's, here's, another, here's another cool opportunity, here's something like, we really like this. Like, we think, we think this is good. We think this is a go-good places. We can figure out all sorts of ways to bring glory to your name and doing this. So, so we're going to do it, all right? It's like almost like a going once, going twice. All right, so go for it. And like running, like if we didn't get a red light, like that's, that's how we rolled. And, and here's the thing. Some of us just need to say, what, am I, what, are, what are we waiting for? Some of us are sitting at the green light with our foot on the gas pedal, and all we have to do is go, but we're, we're like waiting for that, we're waiting for that lightning bolt. We're waiting for God to show up and say, do this. And God's saying, I already gave you the green light. Like, is this something that you want to do? Can you figure out how to bring me glory in it? Can you bring glory to my name? Can you make a difference? Can you make an impact? Can you figure out a way to share my good news with people where you're at? Is it something that you're gifted in? Then I've already given you the green light. Go for it. I'll let you know if it's something that I don't want you to do. And don't worry, God will. Sometimes... Sometimes we miss what God has for us because we're too caught up in what could be or what we think could be. Here's a big thing about your calling, and then, and then we're done, all right? So we get, we get so wrapped up that we miss this sometimes. When it comes to your calling, some of you aren't going to like this. When it comes to your calling, it doesn't actually matter what you do. It actually really doesn't matter the specifics of what you do. The question isn't, what should I do? The question needs to be, who should I be? It's who is God shaping me and molding me to be in this season of my life. The doing will change. The doing is fluid. The doing is liquid. But who you are and who he is calling you to be and who he is making you to be, that is what matters. That is your calling. That's what we need to try to discern. That's what we need to lean into if you don't have a perfectly clear picture of what it is God's calling you to do in your life at this exact moment, in this exact season, that's okay. Congratulations. That's actually like an exciting place to be. Maybe God just wants you at this season of life to figure out, okay, what have you given me? Where have you placed me? What am I good at? What's in my hands? He just wants you to say yes and then get busy living, church. Let me just remind you of something too, that you guys are really smart and you already know this, but Maybe some of us forget it from time to time. Like if if we're trying to discern God's calling in our life, but we're not serving in church, good luck with that. Like the call for all of us is to serve, and I don't think we get the option of saying, "Oh yeah, God, like I really want you to show me like what you want me to do with my life and what my path is." But I don't really have time to to work in church right now. Like that's like the easy. That's, that's like your calling is to glorify God. That is the easiest way to find out and discover what your calling is. Listen, church. I've discovered in my times many many times in my life, God whispers in our ear after a hard day's work, and when we start serving, sometimes that's where we discover our calling. We jump into something and say, "Hey, you know what? I could do that." Yeah, that's in my hand. I could make a difference there. I could plug in. I could start giving back that way. And it's like through moments like that, and it's through putting the yes on the table a lot of times that we begin to discover our calling, where God begins to fill in some of those pieces and some of those details that we so desperately want for our life. If we hold too tightly to what it is that we want to do or that we think we should do, church, we can miss who God wants us to become. And that's a terrible shame. We should fully expect that our, our calling and our doing will, will change and will grow and will, will stretch as we get older. Like, the, the longer you know God, the more the, more the doing is going to change. Like, he's never going to leave us in one place too long so that we get comfortable because then we stop growing, right? Like, we grow in the stretching. Like, the more you know God, the more you walk out your calling with God, the more it's going to change and shift and evolve. Will you guys will you stand with me today? Can we stand together? I want to read you another, another passage from, from the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. He says this, again, to the church. It applies to us today just as much as it did back then. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, beg the church, to lead a life that's worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, church. No matter what your calling is, No matter who God is calling you to become in this season of your life, somebody needs to know, you need to know, you need to understand that your calling carries a tremendous weight in the kingdom of God. It carries a tremendous weight in the kingdom of God. The the significance of who you are and who he's created you to be, the significance of what he wants to accomplish in your life and through your life carries an incredible amount of significance in the kingdom. And he desperately wants you to know that because it would be such a shame if we missed it. But sometimes we get too caught up in the details. Sometimes we get too caught up in the doing and we miss what it is that God has for us. And I felt like God just wanted us to know. He wanted to take the pressure off of our shoulders that we could stop stressing about it. We could stop stop trying to desperately run around and try to figure out exactly what it is that he wants us to do and say, no, 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 just, just get busy exactly where you're at. Like we are his plan A, church. He wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. God's going to accomplish his plan and his purpose in this world with or without us. You know that, right? Like, God doesn't need any of us, but he desperately wants us. Jesus loves you exactly where you're at. Like, he's calling you exactly where you're at. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to get things straight before the calling happens. No, Jesus is there. The hand is out if we're following him, if we're a lover of Jesus, he says, come and follow me. And we'll fill in the details together along the way. We just need to learn to, to tune our heart to what it is that God is saying to us. He speaks. In the still small moments, he speaks to us when we're already serving. He whispers in our ear after a hard day's work. And we just, the longer we walk with God, the better we get at tuning our heart to what it is he's saying to us. The better we get at leaning in to his voice. If it's new to you and it's brand new to you, that's all right. Like he, Jesus loves you exactly where you're at. He loves that you're in the point of the journey that you're on. Just start serving, be found faithful, saying, Jesus, use me however you can. Get busy. Figure out what's in your hands he'll speak to you. He'll teach you how to speak to him. A communication with him will improve and will improve and will improve. I want to leave you with this today and then we're done. Like if we go back to that list of disciples and those 12 men that Jesus called that day when he came down from the mountain, like who, who was at the top of the list? Who was the first disciple? It's was Peter, right? And we know lots about Peter in church circles today, but, but here's the thing is that that wasn't his name when Jesus called him, was it? that Jesus gave him the name Peter. In In the Greek, it was Cephas, which meant rock. And what's amazing about that is that Jesus, when he gave him that name and he called Peter a rock, he wasn't describing who Peter was. He wasn't describing who Peter was when he called him. He was describing who he knew Peter would become. And I think there's plenty of us in places in our lives today, most of us, would say that I don't, I don't feel like a rock. God, I don't feel like a sure bet. I don't feel like the person that you should be calling, the person that you want to use. But Jesus' invitation is just to hold out your hand and say, all right, come. Let's follow me. Let's do this together. And I know who you can become. I know who it is that I want you to be. I know exactly what I've spoken over your life. If I gave you all the details right now, honestly, you'd probably be terrified. and You'd run and dig a hole and hide in it somewhere and never come out. So just come, follow me, extend your hand, and let's do this together. Let's walk this out together. And if we're willing to do that, church, God will amaze us, blow us away at where he takes us, even in a short period of time in our life. So I'm going to pray today. I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, just even to extend your hands. Extend one hand or extend two hands, if you're willing. And if you really want God's call in your life to be made known, if you really want to take it seriously, if you're willing to put a yes on the table even before you have the details, then just extend your hand with me and let's just pray that God would meet us exactly where we're at. Thank him that he, he sees us for who we're becoming, not for who we are right now. And that if God takes all of us on that journey as a church, that he's, we're going to see amazing things, guys. Like the things that we celebrated at the beginning of our service today, like there's so much more so We have no idea what it is that God really wants to give us and show us if we're willing. So let's pray together. Stand your hands, if you will. God, we love you, Father. We thank you that, that you call us in the most unexpected moments, in the most unexpected seasons of our life, that, God, you are, you are calling people and you are pressing yourself onto people's hearts and minds in seasons of their life that they never would have expected it right now, God. Father, and in your name, as your church, and as your children, and as your people. We just want to give you our yes, God. And we confess our need as human beings, God. We confess our need to just crave the details, and crave the plan, and crave having it all laid out for us, God. But we're just going to say, we're going to give you our yes, and we're going to trust you with it before we have the details, before we even know what that means. And God, we're just going to expect you to watch out for us. And God, we thank you that you'll be faithful to do it every single time. God, give us the strength and the courage right now, even in this moment, if we're not sure what the next thing is, to just identify, okay, God, what it is you've already given us, what's in our hand, what's something that we're have doing? we doing right now that we can use to begin to bring glory to your name, God. In our parenting, in our work, in the marketplace, Jesus, that we are yours, we are your church, God, and we will fulfill our calling of bringing glory to your name. God, would you unleash a new level of God, of your revelation in our lives. God, for those who have their hands extended to you right now, would you meet them in your grace? God, would you speak their becoming over them? God, would you just begin to fill in the pieces of of who it is that you want them to be, God, and who it is you're molding them to be? Father, none of us are finished. We are all in process until the day we die, if we're willing, God. You'll never let us be finished, God. You'll constantly be molding us and changing us. And God, we thank you that we can trust you for that. Father, we say, have your way, have your will in our life, Jesus. God, and when we trust you for that, when we're willing to trust you for that, God, would you do amazing things through our lives? God, not for our glory, not even for our benefit, Jesus, but to the, to the glory of your name, to the glory of your church, God. We, we ask for more revelation in our midst, God. We ask for an outpouring of your spirit, Father. We ask for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth in St. John, New Brunswick, like it never has before in history, through us, through your church. Through your people. And it's in your name that we pray, all of us, Jesus. Amen.